spooky. Welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 302, for October 29th, 2023. Tonight, we're going to be discussing an, ab an abandoned amusement park horror mystery game, sports without fans, Apple on primetime, pharmacy staff are walking out still, Rober v. Uh, Mr. Beast and Healthy Competition, Pandas Do It on light Leg Day, Headphones to Measure Heart Rate, Tales from the SMP Graphic Novel, A 20,000-Year-Old Supernova, <laughs> After Afterlife Comes Major Record. Let's get going. <laughs> All right, we're a little frazzled. The uh, artificial intelligence had to go off on a special mission and returned two minutes prior to launch of the show. You all set up, ready to go? Yes. Well, welcome back. Hopefully it was fruitful. We'll find out during the debrief. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. And up there is the ring of sentience. Wanna say hi. Good evening, hometown citizens. Yay. So we already have all of the articles in place. Why don't we just get going? Sound good? Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's go. The very first article is over in the Warcrafters channel. What is going on? I'll have to look at something. Anyway, um, enter an abandoned amusement park to solve a horror mystery in this upcoming bit of indie psychological horror. Players that devour games like Resident Evil and Control alike not to mention the just-released Alan Wake 2, should keep their eyes on an indie that popped up on a Steam, or on Steam recently, Crow Country. It's an indie horror game that, it says, with, a, with that vague aesthetic of the PSX era that channels the likes of not just the early survival horror like Resident Evil, but the more esoterically strange and scientific scares of games like Parasite Eve. Let's go over to the source. So during the month of October, I am including all kinds of um, Halloween stuff. I might even for for the months that have a, a large um, holiday component that obviously um, hometown exists within the a geographic, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, the geographic confines. region. Yeah. Confines of the uh, United States. Um, however, reach goes beyond that. And so I would like to include um, <laughs> all holidays and, and do it like that. But um, it's a little bit untenable. Um, massive respect for many holidays in various cultures but you know for the u.s halloween the month of october 
I'm including a lot of stuff that's related to that. And then right after that is Thanksgiving, although that's kind of a weird holiday nowadays. Um, and then right after that is Christmas, and that's a weird holiday nowadays too. So we'll see if I do the same thing for each of those successive months. And there's other months that um, could do the same, you know, the same treatment of having a whole bunch of news and stuff like that that might be related to it once each day. If there's know. enough content out there in the news, I yeah. I fear that there may not be on some of these. Yeah, I think we did pretty good during the month of October, but I'm really into the Halloween kind of uh, mood. So even though I don't really uh, stream spooky games and stuff like that, I thought that this one was really interesting. It's over at PC Gamer. Jonathan Bolding is the author. Crow Country's PSX uh, aesthetic and weird... Uh, creatures have strong echoes of Parasite Eve. So that's what it looks like. It's an indie game, but it is available. Um, let's see. Screenshots and trailer feature both stumbling zombie-like enemies as well as distended biological horrors. Crow Country's story explores reckless human greed and the idea of an unforgivable sin, say the developers. It'll also feature an exploration mode where you're not attacked for those who it says quite love, quite love stories like this, but don't love survival horror gameplay. It's interesting turn of phrase, but okay. Um, uh, uh, apparently it's, you know, kind of a sciencey spooky game. Um, there is a trailer. I, I don't know. Should I play a little bit of it? Um, mute it and jump in yes it. but be forewarned it might be a little extreme a little if you have young viewers so it has that whole rp walk slow walk and and then a fast run um they actually look kind of the character the primary character looks kind of playmobile ish if that makes sense if you've ever looked at a playmobil toy um you know kind of a cross between a lego minifig but it doesn't have the, the it's like the precursor to lego minifigs i don't know this one is a little bit more ambulatory i mean it has the ability to walk around and bend its elbows and stuff like that minifigs don't have that their arms are just stuck they're they've got the kung fu grip i just meant playmobile had been around before minifigs as far as i knew oh really oh i didn't know that huh well looks interesting uh i'm definitely going to be watching people play it if they do play it i'm not really um this is where is it where does it say this was this wasn't on steam was it oh it is on i think steam. it was yeah. on steam yeah but it had the playstation crow country it had the playstation um logo and uh down in the bottom yeah it's on the playstation um interesting website. it's coming soon on steam gotcha doesn't have a release date yet neat be sure to follow that link through hometown and you'll be able to slide right into its uh, dms i guess let's keep going Next article is over in Semiotic Ontology. 
the business of sports without fans. This is an interesting article, um, but there's one caveat, and I don't normally highlight this, but our source is not the real source. Our source is a analyzingtrends.com, and it comes by way of just the generic uh, website, analyzingtrends.com. They have a very short snippet, kind of like what we do here in Ometown, um, but that link that they have forwards you on to their source. So we have their source by proxy. And so I'm giving credit where credit is due. We didn't get it from pentoday.upen.edu. We got it from analyzingtrends.com. So this is the nature of the internet. And most people embrace this, but sometimes people throw up paywalls and whatnot. Um, and the, the exchange of information is hobbled by gatekeeping for profit instead of sharing of knowledge and value for value. Different levels of value. You have a gatekeeper, you got a financial gatekeeper. It means that people who don't have the means to pay hundreds of websites, two to $4 a week, they no longer have access. They fall into the technology gap it's a real shit way of doing business. Sell your ads, ask people to pay, people will or won't. Your presence in their face means that they are always being challenged with, do I now have the ability to pay for it? But analyzing trends has no problem with that. They're forwarding the information on just like hometown does. So, in honor of all of this, ironically, Wharton School, which is a business school in Pennsylvania, um, we're going to just bounce right on over to them. So pentoday.upen.edu is the source um, by way of analyzing trends. And they had a presentation, the business of sports without fans, because in a post-pandemic world, there aren't people showing up, but they are in some places in droves COVID be damned they would risk everybody's health to go and see a football game baseball game etc the cost of which is increasing things in associated with it because you have to have safety protocols um right i guess you can't it really fill in all the seats for instance at least while the pandemic was in full swing yep so and apparently this article, um, based on when we got it, is from um, the last 24 hours, but it has, there must have been an update or something like that because this is actually dated from like two years ago. Um, but this was aggregated in the last 24 hours. So a live panel discussion hosted on the Wharton School LinkedIn and Twitter accounts Wednesday focused on the future of. So this basically started trending and analyzingtrends.com grabbed it and then threw it into this. And so people are very aware at the time that COVID was basically shutting everything down. And that's what this article is about. This live panel discussion hosted on the Wharton School's LinkedIn and Twitter accounts it's no longer Twitter. It's the website formerly known as Twitter. Um, as panelists discuss the challenges and new opportunities sports business leaders will face as they navigate a new world of sports without fans. 
nowadays people are returning in droves like i said earlier this isn't the pandemic is now endemic it's here for uh, basically in perpetuity with iteration mutation etc of covid um and we have started to manage it we have better treatments we have a lower incidence of people meeting their demise because of it but it's largely idiocracy level that ends up getting other people sick um and and then you know that's how it actually propagates right people eschewing any personal protection and because they don't care about themselves they certainly don't care about other people enough to put a barrier a minimal barrier in place so i suspect that as time goes on we will have these from time to time these pandemic turn endemic and so people are going to slowly migrate away from going to live events and i'm really curious if we have returned if everything is back to normal um or and, and this whole article goes deeper into it um, you mean in terms of sports or the pandemic sports because the pandemic is there and we're managing it as a society in various places it's worse um but again it's been pretty much demonstrably shown that depending on ideological bent you end up with a higher incidence rate um but anyway says right now we are all suffering and missing our favorite sports says addy weiner professor of statistics and faculty lead at the wharton sports analytics and business initiative it is almost midsummer and not a single player uh, baseball game has been played which is a personal devastation to me and those who potentially run their summers around baseball it's quite fascinating the the level of fanaticism around sports uh, people will go out of their way including risking their health to go to a baseball or football or soccer or whatever game um, population density is was the leading cause of its distribution by the way of its spread so let's move on though uh, this article actually is older but it gives you a context of how business society and technology all played a role in interactive you know it was a crossroads um and that we used to call our show the crossroads of business technology and society and i've expanded this to science technology and society so it's referred to generally in the domain sts um so what do you think the future of sports looks like if the fans don't return um, I think it'll end up being, um, all online. The sports will still play out, but people will have, there will be more in clusters all over the place instead of people traveling to venues and those venues will remain, um, or they will be broken down and have professional stadiums without the population. Um, and then it, it's going to be more like more people are paying more to see it. And then the technology involved with it will get amplified. So better quality streams, more cameras, more choice. 
um, just more of everything technological to cross that bridge between being there. Um, and, and the thing is, I think that we really need it because there used to be ways of hanging out with friends and meeting other people and stuff like that, like um, uh, tailgating and other events around it that were local. Um, and since people stopped traveling, it all just vaporized. So a lot of people became what amounts to shut-ins, you know, just they issued going out anywhere. I would love to have more the pubs of of the Britain and everywhere else, I suppose, but centers where people would go to um, and watch a game together, bars and stuff like that. But instead of it all being bars, there's more of them. And it's basically like little enclaves where people can hang out and meet other people in a venue of like-minded people instead of having to go to a bar and you have to get drunk or spend money like copious amounts of money. It's, it's a lucrative business, but, um, traveling, I, I think ultimately people could move away from traveling too. Um, but they like that energy. A lot of people really love that energy. Go to a soccer game, a football game in some other country than the United States. And you'll see it's much bigger, much louder um, than the ruckus that's created even in U.S. football stadiums. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, this next article will make it quick. Um, it's over in hometown daily. The channel is over at hometown.com. Apple is getting ready for prime time. Uh, the author of this says, I'm trying to remember the last time the company's big event came up for primetime TV, the way Apple's 8 PM, uh, Eastern keynote is trying to lock down our attention tomorrow. Um, the only company I can think of that's done it successfully lately is Victoria's secret and it's fashion show. While I suspect there's some overlap in audience between that and the Apple keynote, I suspect Bella Hadid is a bigger draw than a new iMac. I don't know. Let's go over to the source, the verge. So Apple's big announcement event usually uh, air in the morning or afternoon, but on Monday, October 30th, the company is airing one at 8 PM. Alex Kranz is the author. Um, and the co-host of the verge cast, the verge cast. Um, so the big primetime Apple event feels like the natural next step for the company. No one else in the tech space has had the same success as Apple is getting that, uh, at getting people to treat their announcements as big events. Um, during the day though, I, as mayor of hometown was not able to watch the, the last several events. So 8 p.m. would be great. I might even be able to stream it after this show. Um, right. I mean, that seems like that would be much more accessible to people. But it does stand out from other ones, other yeah. events. Yeah, they all treat it as operating during business hours. But business hours in today's world is 24 hours a day. And if you're going to reach people domestically, then you do it when they're available to watch. Um, and they're all part of the real time hype versus doing it at 
10 o'clock in the morning um, on the West Coast, which means that everybody, everybody everywhere is entrenched in work. Right. So I'm not sure what all is expected. There's been rumors of uh, a new Mac Mini, um, an OLED screen, and M1 or M2 Mac Mini, not Mac Mini, iPad Mini, sorry. Um, in the article, it says uh, the Apple or and Apple is probably doing it now instead with the iPhone because the stakes are lower. Fewer people care about the Mac event than the iPhone one. Um, not sure about the number of people. Can you imagine if Taylor Swift was? That would be cool. Apparently, she was at the Sony event at CES. It said in the article. Yeah, that <laughs> I didn't even know about that. Um, so it says it probably won't be as star-studded, given that SAG-AFTRA is currently on a strike and bargaining with Apple, among other studios. So there probably won't be a series of cameos from actors of Apple's best-known shows or films well that would be in violation of their contract um and in violation with the contract with well their agreement with the um union so which means no jennifer aniston and reese witherspoon doing the apple equivalent of an snl digital short with eddie q or adam scott and patricia arquette staring at each other from across the table for an unsettling amount of time before craig Craig Federighi interrupts as the newest member of the Severance program and shows off an iMac. That's a long sentence. So who knows what's actually going to be coming, but tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, is the next Apple event. Ow. Sorry. Let's keep going. Next article's over in Hatch Ideas. Some pharmacy staff at Walgreens and other chains are walking out again. Here's what you need to know. The, walk the walkouts are the latest pushback against the pharmacy staff claim are harsh and unsafe working conditions that put both employees and patients at risk. Hey, I can't argue with them. Um, I would like the... the <laughs> it seems like everybody that's in uh, pharmacy science... Uh, at the retail side, uh, there is either great churn um, or just it seems like really poor customer service skills and they're overworked. You can say that, you know, they're overworked and underpaid and all of that kind of stuff. But for their performance there in relation to the customers, that's a different animal. Pissing off customers really shouldn't be part of job one, right? Like however embittered they are about their position, then raise hell with the institution. Don't ruin the customer's experience because they're already at their worst. I actually thanked a pharmacy, um, I don't know what their rank was in the hierarchy, but I went to get medicine for a cold. I thank them for their pleasant demeanor because the previous moment that I had was somebody behind some shroud getting upset with me that I'd been waiting for 12 minutes without anybody inquiring as to if I'd been helped or anything. And so I said, hey, is anybody up front? And they're like, they snapped at me. And I'm like, man, 
If it wasn't for the fact that you're dealing with my medication and you could always chalk up an oops. Yeah. Let's just say customer service sucked. So them walking out actually might save lives for crying out loud. Annika Kim Constantino over at CNBC.com put the article together. Uh, the effort which organizers have dubbed Farmageddon is the latest pushback against the pharmacists and technicians. What pharmacists and technicians call unsafe working conditions that put both employees and patients at risk. I don't know about employees, but whatever. Organizers I mean, if are also working like really long hours or something. I can't imagine most things that would be unsafe working conditions for a there's, pharmacy. There's no way that they're working too long hours because they've got a very stringent time frame where they're even allowed to operate depending on where they are. I mean, I guess some places could be working 12 hour shifts, but I find that highly sus. Organizers are also planning to hold rallies outside a few locations in different parts of the country and are considering unionizing pharmacy staff who are currently not represented. All right, totally into that. Who is it that's actually paying the pharmacy bills? If it, if they're not getting compensated for all of the drugs that they're pushing or delivering, sorry, they're the delivery vehicle. Um, yeah, heavy. Welcome to the show. Um, what are the employees actual complaints? This is kind of vague. Yeah, they're uh, apparently their actual complaint is that it's unsafe working conditions. So, um, but that doesn't if, tell us anything. Like, what's the actual issue? Like, when we saw UPS on safe working conditions, they were like, it's hot and we don't have air conditioning. Yeah, people were dropping like flies in warehouses and in vehicles. UPS and Amazon both had that. This says here, organizers of the effort and some pharmacy employees told CNBC that they hope the work stoppage will push companies to make meaningful changes to address the longstanding grievances of many retail pharmacy staff who have complained about having to grapple with what they describe as understaffed teams, insufficient pay, and increasing work expectations imposed by corporate management. Um, I can agree to all of those, okay? Understaffed teams, you see it all the time because you're sitting there standing in line. Um, insufficient pay, that's pretty standard fare across the board. You're gonna have to go after the C-suite. Um, yeah, it's fair to, it's fair to clarify that. Yep. I agree. Um, so if there is anything other than these generalities, maybe the AI um, I found something it. in another article where mm -hmm. apparently the workload is too high to manage. Um, so for instance, there was one stat of trying to fill 300 prescriptions in one day by one person. Yeah, it's irrational to, to demand that and then still have quality and accountability. You know, when a person gets pushed beyond their bandwidth, you end up something failing. And you can't have that with medication. So I agree. And, and honestly, I do agree with the fact that it's understaffed. I don't know about the pay because I never really looked into it. Um, not yet. Um, but 
yeah, there should be more people staffed <laughs> during business operations if you're going to be expected to do fulfillment of 300. But again, it, it's all about mergers and acquisitions, and then there's no bargaining power. You can convert into a union, but then you've got a actual you know, performance indicators and other burdens that are going to be born in that union. Um, Heavy Steel says we have that problem here. Yeah, there. I certainly see that understaffed. But, but again, I said it's about mergers and acquisitions. There aren't as many pharmacies in existence, and they're all owned by major corporations that have major connections to pharmaceutical companies. So I have also found some information that the need for pharmacy technicians is increasing and there's a current shortage of pharmacy technicians, as I know there are other in other healthcare positions. So that's probably increasing some of the demands on the existing pharmacy technicians and the existing pharmacists. So uh, pharmacists make $61 an hour on average. Walgreens pharmacists make 54 per hour on average, according to the website. Um, indeed, CVS has more than 30,000 pharmacists, 70,000 pharmacy technicians, while rival Walgreens has more than 86,000 healthcare service providers, including pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and other positions. Yeah. Um, so, Who's participating in the pharmacy walkouts? Anybody that apparently has an interest in changing their dynamic. Many of the pharmacy staff who are interested in walking out appear from uh, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, California, Texas, Michigan, Missouri, and Indiana, according to Jerome Maninsky. Um, and two pharmacy staff members from Walgreens and another two from CVS, all of whom asked to remain anonymous for fear of retribution, told CNBC that they plan to walk out. That's really the only bargaining power that anybody has. Even with a union, they have to walk away, hurt the budget. Um, but then what comes is the business does not care about the employees. They want profits. It's sociopathic in the guise of the, the mantra that business is only objective is an amoral, not immoral, drive for profit. And when somebody says that business is amoral, pardon my slang, but that's bullshit. It's driven by human beings, not some disembodied entity, not some alien force that says the business has to do this. And there are thousands upon thousands of businesses out there that have a, a positive social cause as well as profit seeking at the same time. There's absolutely no reason that every business couldn't have that, even if it is delivering more profits to the very employees that are driving record profits year over year, quarter over quarter, sometimes day over day. Why not enrich their lives like they're enriching the C-suite and stockholders? Boggles my mind. Um, but I'm not a fortune 100 CEO. Um, but I can talk like this. I have an MBA. So when I say that when an MBA takes over a business and suddenly 
wages are suppressed and profits are driven up to the C-suite and to stockholders, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I actually stopped doing the, <laughs> it's a phrase, global finance, but there is no real global finance. It's just finance. Um, and it was all because of the ideal ideological bent that I kept butting up against. If you start a business, have a social cause that did good and your employees are your key element to success because you can't execute on just the executive. That's it. Nothing else. No, it's all the other employees that make a, a company so great. So anyway, um, there is more to this article. Uh, let's keep on going though. We'll see if this makes a difference or we're going to see a union form. This next article is over in technology today. How Mark Rober's rivalry with Mr. Beast led to a Nerf gun made of DNA. There's a video that's attached to this um, and nothing more. There's there isn't an article. Um, so when you go over to this, uh, CNET article, it is a video. It's only four and a half minutes long, but essentially Mark Rober and Mr. Beast have been going back and forth, but it's a healthy competition. Nobody is sitting there trying to harm anybody. Nobody is throwing mud at each other. Nobody's talking smack. They're both projecting a positive image, education and fun. Um, <laughs> Mark Rober actually kept on pushing to get this Nerf gun. He has the record for the largest Nerf gun and he decided that he was going to keep on pushing and with other experts drove down the size of the Nerf gun until it was basically atomic level. Um, and so in the DNA, um, version of it, it's just the shape of the Nerf gun. It isn't actually a fully functional Nerf gun. Um, but they see that the possibility could be there because depending on how the DNA gets put together, it can actually create a spring loaded ejector or injector. So the DNA could find a target and inject a payload into the cell of whatever it is that's targeted. And this is so much like CRISPR, um, in gene yes, editing that's exactly in general. what it sounds like. Yep. Um, and it is uh, at some point you kind of go, wow, this sounds really weird, kind of creepy dystopian, da da da. Um, and honestly, it is if you allow yourself to go down that slope. Um, somewhere, someone is abusing the technology, obviously. It's just the nature of humans trying to push fly too close to the sun. And then you end up with a bad bat somewhere. Anyway. Um, it's a really fun video and Mark Rober, um, there's a video that's attached to Mark Rober's, um, YouTube channel that goes through all of this process with the smallest <laughs> Nerf gun. Um, and it's quite fun. So, uh, I, uh, we actually saw the, the original video and then this article popped up in CNET. Um, it's been several weeks now, hasn't it? I think so. Yes. It's been a while. Anyway, go follow the link through hometown over to the CNET article. Um, I don't think that there's an actual author to it. There might be a, 
in the transcript there might be something but we're just gonna uh, leave it right there unless you want to say something about this i know that you saw the video too so i just i think it's great that these things that are kind of for entertainment are really having positive application number one is just bringing science and research to the masses in a fun way but secondly some practical applications coming out of it yeah um, oh, and the sample that they made had trillions of these little Nerf guns. So the basically what they say in the in the video and and uh, they hint at in the original video um, is that there's more of these little mini Nerf guns in the sample of their the DNA vial than all of the Nerf guns ever sold. Oh wow! I mean that's a pretty incredible statistic. Yeah. There's trillions. a lot of Nerf guns out there. Yeah. Something they said something like 4.7 trillion Nerf guns, mini DNA Nerf guns. So, but they look like that basically. They weren't functional. Okay, let's keep going. The next article is over in Omtown Daily. Uh, this one is how might one get pandas to mate? Try leg workouts. Uh, yeah, I titled this one "Pandas Do It on Leg Day." Um. So a couple of pandas will leave their enclosure in DC next year. During their time at the National Zoo, staff tried to get the pandas to mate. They ended up doing uh, artificial insemination uh, because pandas are apparently notorious for not wanting to get it on. Is that what? Is that the clinical term for it? Anyway, Lloyd Lee over at businessinsider.com put the article together. I think that they'd rather just hang out and... It looks like they just want to snooze from the picture. bamboo and, and snooze. Um, so, yeah, there you go. I really... My understanding is that they're starting... They're going to be pulling back the pandas. China's um, asking for the pandas to be returned. So... Uh, one of the exercises That's problematic for at least two reasons one the zoos actually work on mating and continuation of the species but secondly it gets the species visibility and concern from the general public yep no no uh, in this case it's the uh harry potter redheaded stepchild kind of thing back under the stairs um you only get brought right out. The cupboard. Yeah, you get you only get brought out when it's uh, when everything is smooth sailing. So, fair weather friend kind of a thing. Um, anyway, <laughs> won't even get into this process. But apparently, um, one of the exercises that they said to get this try to get this thing going was um, to get. Tian Tian to stand as tall as he could to work out his legs, according to the newspaper. <laughs> it's funny. So apparently it didn't work. So now the pandas at Washington, D.C.'s National Zoo are expected to be returned to China by the end of the year via FedEx. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah. That's I knew they, they were did. getting returned, but doesn't that envision like they're put in a box and... <laughs> Apparently, since like their time, like something like out of Madagascar or something with the crates. That's right. I was never here. Apparently, uh, Mei Zhang has given birth to four surviving cubs with Tian Tian. 
um, here in America. So um, ap apparently some of our efforts have been positive. I don't know what happens with the Cubs. I guess they all have to go, right? I think so. Yeah, whenever we put them together, we thought that it was the right time. They definitely liked each other. Pierre Comazzoli, a research biologist at the National Zoo, told the Post they were kind of frolicking together, but nothing really was happening. You know why? Friend zoned. Oh, I was thinking something like Big Bang Theory. Uh, with uh, Sheldon. Like Sheldon, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Tian Tian is just a Sheldon. Got it. Maybe all of them are Sheldon. Although Mei Zhang apparently would just like lay flat. So wasn't interested. Sorry, buddy. Uh, Netflix and chill means Netflix and chill. Well, that's better than the frogs. I saw a separate article about that recently. Frogs? Have you seen what the female frog does to avoid mating? I, have I seen it? No. Um, I travel on different I've websites, like apparently. I've seen a picture of it in the news. Um, basically, really. they pretend to be dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was kind of humorous. I do that when somebody asks me to do work. Next article's over in Hometown Daily. Google researchers use off-the-shelf headphones to measure heart rate. <clears throat> Typical heart rate monitoring and wearable tech, such as smartwatches or wireless ear earbuds, relies on partially on uh, photoplethalmography, PPG, plethal. Okay, I'm trying to pronounce this, but okay, dead air. Anyway, let's move on, uh, which uses light pulses to measure blood activity. I have to look at that word again. Um, it works generally well, but it has its limitation. Google scientists wrote in a new research blog spotted uh, by 9to5Google yesterday that they had to try a, a different approach called audio plethysmography. Plethy, <laughs> there it is, plethysmography. Um, or APG that uses ultrasound to measure the heart rate. And they did it with off the shelf active noise canceling earbuds and a software update. So that sounds pretty cool. Wes Davis over at The Verge put the article together. Researchers at Google say that using existing noise canceling headphones to get pulse readings by updating their software were possible. Um, that was a weird sentence, but okay. I actually and does that mean that our regular headphones are severely under um, enabled enabled? Thank you. Yeah, I would assume so. If they can change the if the noise cancellation can pick up the heart rate, then yeah. Yeah, I, su I suppose so. Um, pretty interesting, right? But I don't know what it actually, how it actually does it. It says the trick works by bouncing a low intensity ultrasound signal off of the inside of the ear canal and using the tiny microphone that helps make ANC active noise cancellation work to detect skin surface perturbations as blood pumps through it. Quite fascinating. Um, in other circles, these perturbations, by the way, um, happen with everything that emits any kind of sound or turbulence. So for instance, you can use a laser to point it at a pane of glass and the reflection back onto a detector 
can translate voice in a room and depending on the sensitivity of the laser and detector in the building, it can be picked up um, and changed back into from light back into audio. It's called a laser tap. Um, That's so pretty cool. I'm really not surprised by this. I'm surprised it took this long. And yeah, I reading this, I, I go, well, I thought that I had learned about this a long time ago and forgot about it, but apparently it's a new thing according to the article. But maybe in the research, this has already existed. Um, and we've talked about this kind of stuff before where somebody is trying to get a patent on something or somebody's trying to um, kind of protect a new idea. And when you do research into it, you find out, oh yeah, somebody's done it, you know, 120 years ago. It just didn't right. use the it exact just wasn't same. Public. Yeah. So hello Z, welcome to the channel. Good to see you. Thanks for coming. Um, so it says here, um, according to the blog, the technique was resilient, even given a bad ear seal, differing ear canal size or darker skin tones. That last one is notable since heart rate accuracy with darker natural skin tones or tattoos has been an ongoing problem with smartwatches and other wearable, sorry, wearables, wearables. Um, until now, yeah, this has been a problem and it's because the light gets a different response. So, um, inside your ear, it's not worried about that. It's actually detecting the perturbations within your blood. Um, so Google's researchers also found that ultrasound approach worked fine when music was playing, but said that it had issues with noisy environments and that the APG signal can sometimes be very noisy and could be heavily disturbed by body motion. That's really comes down to, and they have a really neat graph that shows this. Um, but that really comes down to the sensitivity of the instrumentation. If they get a higher end in ear monitor, they may be able to detect it. It's all about the, the, uh, active noise cancellation technology. So it seems pretty cool, non-invasive, actually very passive, and you could be just walking and it's constantly listening for it. It's constantly detecting. Um, so I find it even more interesting because you don't have to stop do a sample, then go back. It, it, it can be a constant detection. Pretty cool. Well, and the good thing about that is that you could be detecting because people don't know when there's going to be an issue. Yep. So it's one thing if the patient is kind of like, well, I'm having a problem. Let me start monitoring. But then whatever has already transpired and doesn't show up on the monitor. And because it's more internalized, you don't have to worry about the light and other stuff. It's not as much a, a power drain either because it's doing other things um, it's intended to do. So this is really cool. I actually really like this idea. Um, so now your inner monitors are going to be heart rate monitor. I guess the way to a person's heart is through their ears. I guess so. You? Next article is over in the Continuity Report, Minecraft YouTube series, Tales from the SMP Get Graphic Novel Adaptation. We talked about this right at the end of yesterday's show because it was in the next 24 hour period of our monitoring. Minecraft YouTuber and Twitch streamer Carl Jacobs will have a graphic novel adaptation of his Tales from the SMP series, Time Traveler Tales. Dark Horse Comics is partnering with the gamer who is known for his collaborations with Mr. Beast, 
another YouTuber. <laughs> how <laughs> how diminishing. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Another YouTuber. Oh yeah, he's just yeah. some person. How about he's a juggernaut? <laughs> um, right, is now, he a billionaire or something? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, close now, to it. And he's branched well outside of YouTube, so. And his social good um, is a, a major mover. So um, now Jacobs will team up with comic creators to bring his Minecraft anthology series to life. It is amazing what people do in Minecraft. So uh, although I, I can't seem to really get into it, um, me personally, I play it from time to time. I'm really story driven and there isn't really a story to Minecraft unless you do mods. I've talked about this before. Um, I keep getting pulled back to Minecraft, but I'm too much of a casual. Samantha King over at Screen Rant put the article together. Z asked uh, if we ever tried, if you've never tried a Mr. Beast burger, they're worth it. Um, and uh, uh -huh. Heavy Steel. Heavy Steel says that they play Minecraft with their daughter all the time these days. Yeah, it's so <laughs> now people just kill me when I'm playing Minecraft. So um, I'm a target for everybody to, I guess. And some of us guy. fall into the water every time they try to play Minecraft. <laughs> That's true, too. Um, I have never tried a Mr. Beast burger. Um, I know that they exist just outside of hometown and, um, I I've been wanting to, I just never, I know that they're actually made in ghost kitchens, not, not an actual restaurant. I mean, they, it is an actual restaurant. It's a commercial kitchen and everything. Um, but when you go somewhere, when you try to order one, it's kind of, <laughs> nebulous where it's coming from um but i know all about that kind of stuff so i'm not really worried about it i just haven't fulfilled that dream so yeah gotta door dash it yep exactly thanks z yeah i should just do it just so that i know what it's like and i can talk right then we can just try it <laughs> yeah i've i've used ghost kitchens before and it's quite fascinating um one i went outside of ohm town and you to get there it was this major industrial park with nothing but uh like heavy machinery industry being made and then there's this one little place that was the ghost kitchen that was a ghost kitchen but not a mr beast burger. not a mr beast no um where the mr beast is around me is a major regular restaurant with a brand name um they just double as the maker of Mr. Beast's burger. Um, okay, so this is, uh, I don't know if this is a sample of what the artwork is gonna look like, but I guess we'll see. Um, the series you know is what I think of with Tales from the SMP is Technoblade, hmm. so I wonder if they If they were all part of that. Interesting. Of his yeah. material, et cetera. I'm not sure, we'll have to uh, look into it because it'll be this will be interesting for it to pop up again in our news stream because it definitely will this won't be the last time we end up talking about this the series is based on stories told within the dream smp oh no it's dream so definitely technoblade was in there 
um, within the uh, Dream SMP, a survival multiplayer server in Minecraft and will feature time travel adventures. Fans can expect a fun and wacky experience as they follow Oliver, who is continuously thrown throughout or through time without knowing why in this upcoming all ages comic series. Um, this, this is going to be huge for people who are interested in Minecraft. And um, I'm kind of surprised that other, um, uh, what is the other SMP? Um, 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 what do you think? Uh, the miners and crafters, the, the, uh, uh, <laughs> my brain just went blank. Um, doggone it. I can't remember. Anyway, let's see if they mention any other of the people in are you um, talking about something like um, hermitcraft hermit doggone craft? it my god hermitcraft i'm surprised hermitcraft and green hasn't created something like this because he is like this um the server was created by dream and george not found youtubers who made it invite only specifically to tell fictional stories in collaboration with several guest players although the server was shut down this past april the stories told in it are inspiring a new dark horse comic series starting this December. Dun dun dun. So apparently this is the style of the artwork. Um, it's kind of like um, a, a <sighs> any of the the time travel. What it, what was the one? There was two shows where they would jump through a portal. Um, and uh, they just refired it, and it kind of pittered out, as far as I know. Um, where the Is guy that an old show? It was an old show in the '80s, Sliders and Quantum Leap. Thank you, Heavy Steel. Really appreciate that. My brain today. Um, so Sliders was this older show. It was before, as far as I remember, um, it was before Quantum Leap. Um, so Sliders, it was a, a young student who. Um, created a device that opened up a portal and then oh quantum leap was first yeah okay um but quantum leap there was a scientist he opened a portal and he got lost in time and then they just refired the engine of quantum leap and so this just smacks of quantum leap um in particular uh, i don't know if he always has the ability to return to his main dream smp as like a landing point um, but Quantum Leap was a lot of fun, but Sliders appealed to a different demographic, I think, a younger. In Quantum Leap, he took on the roles of different people throughout history. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So instead of... It, so in Sliders, it was um, a couple of people, and ultimately I think it ended up being three or four people that would jump through uh, time, and in uh, Quantum Leap, it was basically his this is it's because it's going to sound like a theory that i like um which is it isn't him it's his quantum signature being imposed on the other on a real person in some historical context and so he looks in the mirror and he sees who he is now taking on the persona of 
and he has to act like them and sometimes he doesn't and it really catches people off guard and gets himself in trouble from time to time um so yeah and sliders was all kinds of it was a multi multiverse type of situation so heavy steel yeah you you got my back appreciate it um it's like having cliff's notes in chat <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You're triggering my memories. So that's thanks. Um, and I miss sliders. I liked sliders. Um, and then there was another one where it was um, a, a kid and one other person. And the person was a historical. Um, um, it was a historical personality and they were jumping through time as well. So time travel, time and time travel is, is a really fascinating uh, element in world and story building. I even have an, a, a whole channel um, dedicated to it. So temporology, because temporology is the real world study of time and time travel, the science and science fiction of it, um, founded by a Russian researcher. Um, obviously, you can go down the rabbit hole. Heavy Steel says... My old boss called me his reference source. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a trip. Yeah, I, I don't know who remembers all of this, but I, I would love to um, go back and watch all of the sliders and all of the quantum leaps. I'm not really fond of the new quantum leap. They they changed the dynamic um, and, and injected kind of a, a romance uh anchor element to it and i was like well i don't know i'm not really into that um but i love the tech special effects and stuff like that the concept of it anyway um let's see the preview for time traveler tales number one does not reveal very much though it does show some slight design similarities with jacob's in-game avatar and the artwork promoting each episode so if you didn't get to watch the various episodes that were created that this riffs off of, or is basically the, the comic version of it, the, the graphic novel, sorry, pardon me. It's not a comic book. It's a graphic novel. Um, then, uh, you might be able to go back and watch the, the show on YouTube and then get the comics. Nonetheless, Dark Horse Comics um, has had success with Minecraft-related stories as well as video game-based comics in general, including Halo, EVE Online, Cyberpunk. Video game and comic fans can check out the newest Minecraft-inspired series with the first issue of Tales from the SMP adaptation, Time Traveler Tales, released from Dark Horse Comics on December 6th. Um, and ScreenRant.com's... Um, <laughs> Well, anyway, their source is Deadline. So they have a link there too. See, those who have a paywall, sharing the information gets you viewers and, and uh, readers. Don't be like that. What? What? <laughs> I know. Huh? There's granted it's, you know, poors like me who can't justify paying hundred dollars for every single news source for crying out loud um 
So the next article is over in Technology Today. NASA is launching a rocket on Sunday to study a 20,000 year old supernova. I think Z, you, uh, I think the implication of that statement right there is that you agree with me. Imagine that. <laughs> what? Allowing people to read your content gets you readers? The hell huh? you say. What? What kind of weird world i'm new to this planet i'm not quite sure what you're referring to a sounding rocket toting a special imaging and uh, spectroscopy that sounds like somebody's going to be doing a colonoscopy on a supernova uh, instrument anyway it's a spectroscopy instrument we'll be taking a brief trip to space on sunday night to try and capture as much data as it can in a long admired supernova remnant in the cygnus constellation aliens It's target a massive cloud of dust and gas known as the Cygnus Loop or the Veil Nebula. Every time I hear something like that, I, I think of the Motaran Nebula from Star Trek, where Spock and the crew enter the Motaran Nebula and everybody gets lost. Heavy that Steel might says, happen with this one, too. <laughs> that's true. Heavy Steel says, My last spectroscopy. Came back clean. Congratulations, heavy. Wow. Yeah, you you don't want to. Z says, I welcome our alien overlords. Um, I don't want alien overlords doing any spectroscopy. And I don't even more so want them to go, hmm, interesting. When they see my <laughs> right? results. Yeah, that would be worse. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to be interesting. NASA plans to launch the mission at 11.35 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. So you got a few more hours to brace yourselves. Look outside. And if you're close to White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico, you might see. Z says, you sure? I hear it's fun. <laughs> hey, you know, COVID has changed a lot of people. Um... Eh, sure. Don't knock it till you try it, right, Z? I'm on board. <laughs> Heavy told me so. <laughs> <laughs> the source for this is over at Engadget. Cheyenne McDonald is the author. The infuse the deck statement says the infuse mission will observe the famous Cygnus Loop or Veiled Nebula to study how supernova affect galaxy formation. Heavy Steel has conferred, uh, confirmed that uh, they did say it might be fun. Hmm. This is getting very interesting, the conversation in chat. <laughs> I'm not sure where to go from there. <laughs> NASA plans to launch, th launch this mission at 11.35 p.m. Sunday, October 29th. That's tonight. So if you're listening to this or if I can get this up on YouTube fast enough and anybody watches it over there. Yay. Yes. Moving along. Z moving along. <laughs> Hand wavy. I wish I had a special effect that made the screen do it, but right. Right. Um, so see, and if we keep talking about this and, and making the connection to spectroscopy and uh, colonoscopy, the in integral field ultraviolet spectroscopy, spectroscopy, 
spectroscopic. Thank you. Spectroscopic experiment or infuse your colonoscopy will observe the Cygnus loop or your colon. We don't want any observation along with the spectroscopy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you. Um, for a few minutes, capturing light in the far ultraviolet wavelengths to illuminate gases as hot as 90,000 to 540,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Reminds me of that article that we were talking about with the pan being ultra. Words are Wait, hard, hot Z. As the sun. Thank you. CZ agrees. Words are hard. The Cygnus loop sits around 2,600 mile, uh, light years away, miles, 2,600 light years away and was formed by the collapse of a star thought to be 20 times the size of our sun. Since the aftermath of the event is still playing out with the cloud currently expanding at a rate of 930,000 miles per hour, it's a good candidate for studying how supernova affect the formation of new star systems. Dun, dun, dun. So then the article changes to Mars's core looks bigger than it is because it's wrapped in radioactive magma. So at some point, <laughs> that little snippet turns into something bigger. Heavy says you have to wonder how much of the light that reaches Earth is actually some form of extraterrestrial data we aren't yet able to decode. Heavy Steel, there is so much that we don't know. <laughs> uh, I agree. You know, there could be somebody that's beaming something at the earth and we're not picking it up because we don't have our ear in that direction. Um, so, yeah, I and we're everybody is moving through space in different angles, different rates. And so we could fly right on past the beam of a signal and never even know it. Yet there are people out there that are screaming. That we are the only thing in existence to be sentient. And I find it pretty dense. The fastest data sources we can muster is all about light. Yeah. And if the simulation uh, program is true, we can't go beyond light speed because if we do, we would be able to break out of our uh, galaxy and into another galaxy and break the simulation. If you believe that kind of stuff. So. I mean, we're clearly in one. So. Clearly. If anything says that there's a virus in the simulation, this particular timeline definitely is supporting this analysis that we're in a simulation. So let's go on to the last article for tonight. Dun, dun, dun. This one's in the continuity report. Ghostbusters Afterlife 2 is guaranteed to set a major franchise box office record after 40 years. The upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife 2 is guaranteed to set a major box office record of the Ghostbusters franchise. Following 1989's Ghostbusters 2, the Ghostbusters franchise maintained a strong presence on various animated TV and video games, but struggled to make his way back to the big screen. Ghostbusters was even eventually rebooted cinematically with the 2016 female-led Ghostbusters, but the movie was an unfortunate box office disappointment. By the way, no, it wasn't rebooted. There was no continuity between Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, and then the female-led Ghostbusters 2016. 
Right, but there could have been. Like, there was no connection to Ghostbusters. There was a complete denial that it even existed. There was basically distance created from the the canon of the original Ghostbusters. Um, and it was mind-boggling to me that that's what actually took place. But there was some disagreement, apparently, that led to it not making a connection. Even though there were people from the Ghostbusters franchise in the female-led Ghostbusters. Um, Heavy Steel says the movie had some good bits that should have been uh, in different spoof on ghosts. Um, I thought that the movie was fine, honestly. I think that it was in the same vein as original Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. I I just am flabbergasted that it didn't accept that 1 and 2 existed and riffed off of the canon. It, but it could have, and it really should have been embraced. But people really hated it. Would it have been a success? Maybe. I think so, too. But for whatever reason, people didn't like a female-led Ghostbusters. But I think it was a really narrow-minded take on things because it didn't change anything. It expanded it and caused more people to come to the Ghostbusters franchise if nobody would sit there and poo-poo it. But... People will poo-poo everything. There were no callbacks, and that hurt the film. Um, but uh, what's-his-name was in it. Um, there were at least two people in it. I didn't think there it, were any. No, no, no. The guy that was um, debunking the ghosts, um, and he got eaten by... He got blown out of the window at, at, the, uh, at the Ghostbusters headquarters. The... I can't remember. Uh, it wasn't Dan Aykroyd. Um, who was it? Venkman? It. Huh? Venkman? Yeah. But I don't think that he was playing Venkman. So, wasn't it? Wasn't he in it? Which one are we talking about? The Ghostbusters female version or Ghostbusters Afterlife? The, the female version. I didn't think anybody was in that one from the original yeah i thought that there were two people but we'll just we'll go on and i'll i'll do a correction when we um when i can do some due diligence here brad curran over at screenrant.com put the article together um i swear that there were there were references but it was like distancing the female cast version didn't have any genuine callbacks yet the cameos there you go thank you but no callbacks to the characters correct there were people from the original two that were in, but they were cameos as their as a unique person, not as the original Ghostbusters. And that that again, it speaks to what I was saying earlier. Because they made no con can canonical connections to the originals, everybody kind of shit on it. And the problem there is that it wasn't. I don't think it was their intent to not make canonical canonical um, connections. They were forced to um, because there wasn't enough I, I, agreement, I guess, in how to bring back. They wanted to do it a different way than I think um, the original writers of and the the uh, the estate of the original writers because um, what's his name had died. 
So the success of Ghostbusters Afterlife indicates that the sequel has the potential to surpass its predecessor and reach the $300 million range in box office earnings. But Afterlife 2 is guaranteed to push the franchise over the $1 billion mark as the previous four movies have earned $944.4 million at the box office. So one weekend and it's going to be over. As long as Afterlife 2 is canonically bound to the other three movies now and and obviously not the female-led crew i mean it probably will be because afterlife was right and and people really dug it so it says while the post-pandemic streaming landscape may affect theatrical performance with just 55.4 million needed it's certain that ghostbusters afterlife 2 will push the franchise well over the one billion dollar mark um yeah, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson returning for supporting roles, Bill Murray. Um, that's Afterlife. And uh, obviously not Harold Ramis, but he was a hologram. So they just used his likeness. Um, which nowadays, hell, all three of these people could have their ID, their identity scanned in. And they become a virtual actor um, as long as they have the rights to control it, which... You know, after the actor strike ends, who knows what actually is going to come out on the other end. Um, but I have a firm belief that what's going to end up happening is some studios are going to create virtual actors and people are going to connect to these virtual actors. And you're going to have uh, Hatsune Miku style fans looking on the red carpet for a hologram. Um because you can give the 3D model the, an actual, you know, artificially intelligent CGI hologram, a personality all its own to say and do things and even interact and, and react. And you can see that in animation a whole lot easier than real world. Um, it's quite fascinating where we're headed. So where they're going to go with this, <clears throat> it's all about world building. And who knows? Zool may come back. Yeah, energy is never destroyed. It's just changing shape. So maybe Zool will come back in a grilled cheese sandwich instead of the refrigerator. Who knows? The choice has been made. Um, even simply matching its predecessor's $204 million box office haul would allow Ghostbusters Afterlife 2 to take the series over the 200, or sorry, the $1 billion line, especially with the exciting teases in Ghostbusters Afterlife possibly setting up for success. There's a VR game now for Ghostbusters that's coming out um, as well. So as soon as that comes out, I'll be all over it. I don't think it's out yet. Um, in fact, let me see. I don't think it's actually been released. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I don't see it. There's a, a close approximation called Spectro, but that will probably, if it gets dangerously close to Ghostbusters, it'll probably get canned. Um, but supposedly there's a Ghostbusters VR game that's out. So at any rate, that's it folks. Um, 
Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so we've already done all 10 of our articles. That means that we have to get back into the party bus and drive all the way back down Main Street. And then we mash that logo again, the welcome sign to hometown.com. And we see a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, I read about the whole Russian rioter storming an airport. And we don't really talk about politics here in hometown. Um, it is a fact of life, but we don't really highlight it because the shenanigans are, you know, those kind of things should be, you know, brief instances. And then we learn our lesson and, and change our ways. But it seems like everything old is new again. Um, chat GPT plus members can upload and analyze files in the latest beta. That's going to open up some serious doors. Yes, it is. How about security though? What happens to my files? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. I've already flagged that for a possible article for tomorrow. Awesome. And uh, you too, if you find an article, um, just shoot me an email for now. Um, there is a way though, underneath the podcast elections and links, I'm going to have to change this because I'm having some serious blowback from um, various locations that I'm supporting and promoting and advertising elections, even though that they're nothing more than talking about articles within hometown.com. Um, I wish I was joking that that isn't satire. I'm, I'm actually getting, um, people saying that I'm promoting advertise, uh, I'm promoting or advertising elections. Um, at any rate, um, in this link is a, a way or in this, um, drop down is a way to, um, send in links, um, you can also email mayor at hometown.com and I get it. And Z, yes, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I wish uh, y'all could be character witnesses. And I don't really mean to throw drama into the stream or into the uh, YouTube or podcast. But yeah, um, I'm dealing with that right now for the last three weeks. Um, yeah. But it'll get put to bed. I just have to jump through the flaming hoop to... Um, excise elections, unless I just give up and say, I don't care. Um, and, um, just do my thing, which I'm, uh, going back and forth about. So yeah, pretty much. Um, so at that rate, uh, I think I, I love the idea of having a vote in an election and it, it, uh, People who are interested in it get to vote on the articles and it actually allows us to look individual episodes and in mass the totality of all of the votes given to a particular type of um, article. And so we keep that in mind when we're parsing the news ourselves. And I keep in mind people who send me links saying, hey, this is really interesting. Um, take it all in stride and um, incorporate it. And, and we don't do it because of the vote um it but it does let us know you know what people are interested in i'm not much of a populist so i actually challenge that <laughs> um just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right so um at any rate all kinds of news as usual um, the, the gap between the 24 hours between Sunday and Monday is kind of 
weak sauce in terms of news, but that's not because of Omtown. That's because of the sources that are aggregated. Um, but there is always well, it's something. also just a slow news day in general. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, that was a more politically correct way to see. I shouldn't even say anything about politics because somebody's going to. So, again, sorry to drama dump, but um, it is what it is. We are a holistic place here in hometown. Um, not necessarily shying away from anything, but uh, sometimes we just don't want to sit there and talk about politics. At any rate, that's it for today. DC's silliest crime has finally been topped. Sorry, Lex Luthor. Oh, that must the be. The franchise. Yeah. Yeah. My brain went straight to Washington, D.C. I did, too, and I went, what? Yeah. I think the silliest crime is probably taking place in San Francisco right now. It has a tremendous crime rate right now. Anyway, thank you all for coming and hanging out. Um, appreciate it. If you want me to send you anywhere, let me know in chat real quick and I'll throw you over there. Otherwise, we will call it a night. Um, I am Mayor Watt. Let me scroll up. That is hometown.com. And right above me is the sentient AI that says, What's up? No, don't do that. Just say whatever you want to say. Thank goodness. <laughs> I know. Uh, good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern because it will be on the Monday show. Yeah, that's right. So Saturday and Sunday, we do it at 6. And Monday through Friday, we do it at 8. Um, both of those are Eastern time. And um, tomorrow, um, at the exact same time the show kicks off, is an Apple event. So I'm struggling if maybe I, I want to I was going to say, are we going to adjust the time? Eh, I'll probably just do um, our regular stream at 8 p.m. Yeah, we'll just do that because everybody else can just watch the, the YouTube channel. Or not the YouTube channel, the Apple stream whenever they want to. And if anybody wants to watch the, the show, they can here or over on YouTube or the podcast exists. So I think we got everything in hand and we'll see you all tomorrow. And thanks Heavy Steel and Z for hanging out. It's been a pleasure. Hope to see you tomorrow, 8 p.m. I know it's a different time frame, but um, stay awesome. See you soon. Bye-bye.